Today, we're going to study a story about a shipwreck. A lot of times you read different passages in the Bible, and you read them for information, but you don't really think like, well, okay, I know that information, but what's in that for me? Why, why is it in the Bible? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped unto all good works. So, if it says all scripture, that includes these stories about Paul being on a shipwreck or being in a shipwreck. And it says it's there to ultimately thoroughly equip you for every good work, for every good thing that you need to do. So, there's always something in the passage, whether you see it there or not. In this passage, there's a lot of things that we can learn about how to have confidence in a crisis as we look at Paul's life. There's three different types of storms that we go through in life. We go through storms that we cause ourselves. You know, we just do things that, you know, cause a lot of havoc in our life. You know, we go through storms that God causes. God can cause you to go through a difficult time in order to get you to turn to him, in order for you to grow in character. We want comfort, but he wants character. I guess there's four different kinds because Satan can throw things into your life that can cause a storm in your life. But I think the most difficult storms in our life is when other people do it to us. We're suffering because of, what, because of the choices of other people. And that's Paul's situation. He's going to suffer as a victim. He's the innocent party to what other people decide to do. So in this case, we have the shipwreck. Paul happens to be on board. It's not going to be his fault what happens. God has Paul on the ship as a prisoner to get him to Rome. God wants him to speak before Caesar. God has a plan and a purpose for Paul's life, so he's there for a reason. One thing that I notice about when trouble comes, when you get impatient, you run right into storms. Trouble comes, you get impatient with something at work, and you end up doing things without thinking it through, and you mess up your life. You know, you meet somebody, and you get impatient, and you let the relationship go too fast before you really know each other, and then it ends up being a storm. These things happen all the time in our lives. The same type of thing is going to happen here. Look at Acts chapter 27, 9 and 10. It says, so Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous. It will bring great loss to the ship and the cargo, and to our own lives also. And yet, even though he told them that, they get on the ship and they sail anyway. They ignore his advice. They decide they're going to do what they want to do anyway. I want us to look at why we experience storms in life. Number one, we listen to the wrong experts. The people aboard, they were listening to the experts, just the wrong ones. Look at Acts 27, 11. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. The owner of the ship does not want his ship to wreck. If he says it's okay to go, that sounds like that's good advice. The pilot, you know, I'm sure this isn't the very first time he ever piloted a ship. This is what he does for a living. He's somebody that you can rely on. 
But there's a lot of experts out there that it doesn't matter what they say, if it goes against what God says, you have to say no. A lot of experts on TV, some of them are really good people, and you can tell their heart. They just don't know God, but they're really good people. And if you listen to them on TV, 90% of the things that they say are true. Okay? But you can't follow them 100% because you've got to follow God. And if 10% of what they're saying is bad, you've got to say no to that. There's crazy ideas out there that people follow. There's always this new therapy, this new cult, this new idea. And everybody nowadays seems to have an opinion of what's, gonna, of what's the right thing to do. So you have 300 million Americans with 300 million different opinions. Well, how do they get their opinions? They make it up. They just make it up. It's based on what they feel. When you make up, when you have an opinion based on how you feel, that means you made it up. It didn't come from science. It didn't come from stability. It didn't come from God's word. I felt this way, so that's my opinion. That's why you can't just follow the opinions of people. Plus, people are very biased, and they will, sur- they, they will search for that expert opinion until they find the one that matches what they want, and then they use that on Facebook and say, well, look at this article written by these people. You know, they have to search and search and search, you know, a lot of articles to find that one to back up their point. You can get whatever expert opinion you want, but if it contradicts God, it's the wrong opinion. That's the point. God told Paul, tell these guys not to get on that ship. Tell them not to do it. It's going to cost them. It's going to cost them everything. They chose man's opinion over God's opinion. I don't care what it is. If God says one thing in his word and man is saying something else, Stick with God. Number two, the second thing that gets us into trouble is we take a vote. We take a vote. That's Americanism. That's, you know, democracy. It's not the Bible. Look at Acts 27 12. Since the harbor was unsuitable in winter, the majority decided that we should sell on hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. The majority the majority, circle that word, the majority. The majority are wrong all the time. I mean, not all the time, but let me say, they're constantly wrong, right? How about this? The Israelites, Moses gets to the desert. They're not finding water and food as quickly as they want. And what do they say? They start grumbling among themselves and they say, it would have been better to go back to Egypt. That wasn't the minority of people saying that. That was the majority. The majority of people were choosing. We were better to be slaves than out here in the desert with no food and water. If, if Moses said, okay, let's take a vote, all in favor of going back, you know what would have happened? They would have gone back. The majority are sometimes very foolish. Listen to the things that the majority of people say around you. And many times it contradicts God. You can't listen to the majority opinion. Do you know that at one time in America, the majority of people thought that slavery was okay? That's how stupid it is to listen to the majority, right? I think today the majority of Americans think that abortion's okay. There's always things in a society that the majority of people are going to think is okay when it's not. There's some countries where the majority of people think that if a young girl gets raped... To take her out of her shame, you shoot her. You kill her. 
So as a family member, you kill your daughter or you kill your sister because to get her out of shame. And the majority of people in some societies believe that that's the truth. What I'm trying to say is every culture has things that they believe where the majority believes, but the Bible says it's different. Not just our culture. Every culture is messed up in that way. Every culture has things that they believe that agree with the Bible too. That's why you can't go by culture. You have to go by Christ. You have to go by what the Bible says. Because every culture is going to be wrong in something, even though they're right and everything. And you look at most cultures, some things that they believe are really, really bad things to believe. And we'll look at that other culture and we'll say, how can they be so horrible to do that, to kill that? Like, it's, it's just like, that's not possible. And they're over there saying, how can they be so horrible to kill their unborn children? That's just not possible. It's just like, what I'm trying to say is, when you're outside of the sin looking in, it's clear. When you're in the middle of the culture, you grow up with it, we don't know right from wrong. We start calling right wrong, we start calling wrong right. This is a common thing that happens in every culture throughout the world. That's why you have to say, let's forget about what popular opinion is. What does the Bible say? Is this something Jesus would do? Then you kind of know. Okay, if you want to do it, then I'm not going to do that. Number three, we rely on circumstances. We make our decisions not based on what God says, but the circumstances look good. Then you say, but the Bible says this. But, but, but all the circumstances were just right. Well, couldn't the devil manipulate the circumstances? And even if it was just by chance, the devil's not involved, but just by chance, circumstances are good. If God is telling you something else, it doesn't matter. Look at Acts 27, 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. The circumstances. It was a gentle south wind. This is what we've been waiting for. The circumstances are right. Let's go. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. All the circumstances were perfect to do what the majority wanted and what the experts were saying. But the experts were contradicting what God said. The majority were going against what God said, even, and the circumstances were lining up even though God said, don't do it. It doesn't matter. So when you're reading Scripture, that's the authority. It's what God says. It can't just be something that I make up of what I feel. Everybody's going to make up their own stuff. I talk to people a lot of times through counseling and different situations where things line up and the circumstances seem so right, but what they want to do is biblically the wrong direction to go. But the circumstances really are good. I mean, it looks like it's great. They end up caught in a hurricane or a typhoon. Look at um, Acts 27, 14, and 15. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught in the storm and could not head into the wind. Now, the experts said, go. And they were experts. The majority opinion, go. The south wind, nice, gentle south wind. The circumstances say, go. Everything said, go, except for God. I don't care if everything says go in your life. If you read scripture and God is saying no, don't go. You have to stick with what God says. We've got to do the right thing no matter what. God loves you more than what you can understand. God cares about you more than what you can imagine. These people in the ship, they didn't even know God. And God loved them and cared for them so much. 
He was trying to warn them not to destroy their lives. These weren't people that loved God, but God loved them. If God loved them, you're probably here because you're seeking God. You love God. You have a relationship with God. God loves you. More than anything, he wants to guide your life. He's not out trying to take away your fun. He's not out trying to ruin your life. He really wants to do something great for you. But sometimes we want to do it our way, and then we get into trouble. And we, all of a sudden, we've ran into a storm, and we don't know why. In number two in your notes, Roman numeral two, how storms tend to affect our lives. There's three ways, three things that we typically do. It's the same thing that the sailors did in this situation. So in your notes, storms cause us to drift. Look at Acts 27, 15, and 17. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so they gave way to it and were dri driven along. So they gave way and just said, we're going to just drift. We can't fight this. So we're going to just drift and end up where we end up. They let the ship be driven along. The same thing happens to us when we get into storms in life. We let go of the goal that we're headed. We're saying, we're going to go here. But when the storms of life come, we start to let go of our goals. Sometimes we forget our values. We just drift. Things get difficult. I didn't expect this to happen. So I just give up, and I'm just going to go with the waves. I'm not going to consider that maybe... It's Satan that's trying to get me not to go there anymore. I'm not going to consider that. I'm going to think, wow, life is tough, so maybe it's not God's will. So maybe I won't do that good thing I was going to do. Maybe I'll give up on my life purpose or whatever the goal is that I really thought was from God. In those days, they didn't have a compass. Later on in the scriptures, it says, they got so dark that they couldn't see the stars. So in those days, if you can't see the stars... You don't know which direction to go. You can't tell. You've got nothing guiding you. That's what guided them back then. So when you don't know where you're going, your tendency is to drift. And that's what happens in life. You have dreams and goals. But when you give up on those goals, which God probably didn't want you to, but when you give up on those dreams, give up on the goals, you tend to drift in life because you've got, you've got no direction anymore. So you're just existing just buying your time, you've lost your purpose, you don't have direction anymore. Sometimes life batters you. But I'm saying, don't lose your goals. Sometimes life is going to beat you up. But I don't want you to be a drifter. I don't want the circumstances to decide where your life ends up. Number two, storms cause us to discard things. In Acts 27, 18 and 19, it says, so we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard. So they're getting so desperate, they're trying to lighten up the boat. So they're throwing that out. They're throwing this out. Everything they need, they, eventually they eat a meal together. <clears throat> then they throw the rest of the food overboard. In fact, eventually they jump overboard themselves. So what happens when you go through a crisis, when the storms of life hit you? A lot of times you start giving up those things that were valuable to you. Things that had some sort of significance to you. Something that was important to you. And now you're throwing these precious things overboard. Sometimes we become impulsive. We start looking for things to eliminate. You know, we, give, we have a hard time. We give up on our dreams. We give up on that relationship. We give up on the things that 
we should still maybe be fighting for. Number three, storms cause us to get to the point of despair where you lose hope. You think it's hopeless. In Acts 27, 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. They got into despair. It was, they were doomed. They had no hope. And that's what happens when a crisis in your life, when you're in a storm that doesn't seem to stop in life. Like, you don't see it getting better. My marriage is never going to get better. I've been trying and trying. And then you lose hope. You, you, you start believing that there's no, no chance. You know, I'm never going to make it in this field. I'm just going to quit school. But it's something that you've really felt like God's wanted you to do. You know, what happens is when hard times come, it shows your character. It shows what you really believe. Do you really believe this? If you really believe it, you've got to go even when times get hard. You know, because life is hard. Life is not easy. Some people think when you put your faith in Jesus, wow, life's going to be easy now. No. Life is just as hard for us as anybody else. The only difference is we've got faith. We've got security that God's with us to help us through it. We don't have to give up hope, even if it looks absolutely hopeless, because we believe that God can intervene. We believe that God can make a difference. It's when you don't believe in God, you go through the same problems, but you just don't believe that God can help you because you don't believe he exists. But all people go through problems. And here's the amazing thing in the story. Look at the attitude of the sailors compared to Paul. As we read about Paul, he's going to be confident. He's going to be courageous in the middle of the same storm. He's in the exact same storm as everybody else. How can he be calm? How can he be courageous when everybody else is depressed and discouraged and down, don't know what to do, they're in despair, they've given up all hope? How can he be calm and confident and courageous in a time like this? It's because of his faith. He's a different man. He's a different man. It's your relationship with God. Two people can go through the exact same crisis. And one person can be in despair and want to give up. And the other person could be calm, confident, courageous, believing in God. Believes that God's going to work it out somehow, some way, even though they don't know how. See, the test of someone's faith is how they handle crisis. You know, difficult times, that's what shows my faith. My faith isn't seen when everything's going well. Like, my job's doing great, I'm getting pay raises, my family's doing great, everything's fantastic, we're all healthy, I've got lots of extra money to do this and that. That's not when you see your faith. You see your faith when it looks like when you're in the storm and you're still trusting God. Do you trust God even in the storm? Everybody trusts God when things are good. They either trust Him or don't think about Him at all. But it's when you're in a hard time. That's when you know, okay, like, wow, I can see that God's in my life because I'm going through this bad health report from this doctor, and I'm still confident. I'm, I'm trusting God. I still have faith. God's, God's in control. That's when you see your character, right, is in the tough times. You don't see your character in the easy times. Look at Acts 27, 29. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and they prayed for daylight. What did they do? They dropped their anchors. They started developing 
deep roots in the situation they were in. In Psalms 125, it says, he who puts his trust in God is like Mount Zion. He is immovable. It's kind of like putting your faith in God. What we need to do is we need to drop our anchors. You know, they're dropping their anchors so, be a, so they won't move around. When the storm comes, drop your anchor, anchors into God. Rely on him. Get deeply rooted in who he is and that relationship with him. Seek him. Don't only seek him when you're going through hard times. Seek him when you're going through good times. A lot of times, something like this will happen. A person will go through a devastating thing, like a marriage will break up. And instead of putting their anchors down and getting some stability in their life and thinking like, okay, uh, let me have time to think this through. Let me not make any rash decisions. They're so hurt by that that they quit their job. Now they've got, their life is getting like turned over and then I'm going to move to Texas. And then <laughs> next thing you know, you know, their whole life is, you know, and I'm going to try to find a job. I see a lot of long-term regret in that. But in the emotion of what happened here, they start throwing everything overboard. And they think they're going to start in Texas and start their life all over fresh and new. And they're homeless. That's a fresh new start, all right. But is that what you really want? So you need to put the anchors down when, th- when tough times go. That's not the time to flip your whole life upside down. Okay, what happened here was horrible. It's devastated me. Let me get some anchors down so I can get some stability, so I can think through this. Let me not be uh, too rash. Let me not rush into things. Number three in your notes, what to, hold on into, what, what to hold on to in a storm. How did Paul do that? He's in a storm, right? Things are crazy. How did Paul put anchors down? The first anchor he went, put down is the presence of God. Look at Acts 27, 22. But I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. That's courageous, right? That's a confident person. That's someone that doesn't believe they're going to die. Why was he so confident? How could Paul say, everybody, keep your courage. Now, remember, everybody else is in despair. Why is he so different? Look at verse 23 there. Last night when an angel of God whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me. That's why. Last night when an angel of God came to me, why was he so confident? Because he, he knew the presence of God. He knew he had the presence of God with him. In your faith, when you know that you have God with you, you can be confident in any situation. You know, with God, you are the majority. If it's God... You're the majority. So you're going through the same tough time. It's not like he's on a different ship. He's on a cruise ship somewhere. and No, he's on that ship of disaster with them. But because he has the presence of God with him, his whole demeanor is different. He's giving courage to other people. Why is he saying that? He's saying God's with us. They don't even know God. But he's saying God's with us because he's in the boat. God's with him. God's with us in this. Have courage. It's going to be okay. I know because God told me. God is with us. So in your notes, storms can never hide the face of God. What I'm saying is when you're hurt so bad that you can't see God, he still sees you. 
he still sees you. He understands your hurt too. When you feel like, where's God? Why is he a million miles away? He's right there with you. He's carrying you through that. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. Over and over in Scripture, you hear things like, I will never leave you or forsake you. Lo, I am with you always. I'm going to send you a comforter. That means the Holy Spirit to stay with you. Over and over, there's promises in Scripture that no matter what you go through in life, God's going to be with you. God's with you. God's with you. Why does he say this over and over? Because we go through tough times. We go through devastating times where we feel like, where is God now? Where is God now? And if you don't know that God's with you during those tough times, you'll give up faith. You'll give up hope. You'll be like the sailors instead of like Paul. There's a second anchor that Paul put down. It's the purposes of God. In Acts 27, verse 24, this angel stood by me and he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all those who sell with you. There's a purpose there. Paul knew without a doubt that he had a purpose, that God had put him on that boat to have a face-to-face encounter with Caesar of all people. Can you believe that? With Caesar. God, it's like God told you that you're going to have a meeting with the president face-to-face to speak to him about something that was from God. And, and God said, this is going to happen. And you're on this train or plane or whatever to get there. And you, it's going to happen. You're going to have that face-to-face encounter. And here's what I want you to say. Because he knew he was doing God's purpose, that God already had a purpose behind this. One thing he knew is no matter what happens in this ship, I'm going to survive. Because I have a purpose. What I'm trying to say is Christians, we need to live like we have a purpose. Because God has a purpose for your life. You might not know what your purpose is. I love that thing, shape. What are my spiritual gifts? What are, and you write those things down. What's my heart's passion? Because it's different. You're like, your spiritual gift might be teaching. Your heart's passion might be uh, children. So you don't want to be an adult Bible study teacher. You want to probably teach children because that's where your heart's passion is. H on the word shape is your heart's passion. A is abilities. What abilities do I have? You know, you have probably 700 abilities. Just walking, that's an ability, right? But you have some abilities that are really strong. Personality type. Am I an extrovert? Am I an introvert? You know, there's all different types of things about your personality. Experiences on E, to spell the word shape, your past experiences. All those shape you so that you can clearly see what God's called you to do. People say, I don't know what God wants me to do with my life. I say, look at your shape. What's your, what's your spiritual gifts? What are you gifted at doing? What's your heart's passion? What's your abilities? What's your personality type like? What's your experiences? Write those things down, and you start seeing your shape. Oh, this is what I'm good at. Everybody can know what God wants them to do with their life. And when you know what, you, what, when you know what God wants you to do, you can start pursuing that. And when a storm rises up, and it seems like, this is what I'm wired to do, and this is how God's made me. Why is a storm going there? I'm telling you, it's not God trying to stop you. But it could be God testing you. Do you really want to serve me? Do you believe me when there's a storm in your life? Where's your faith? Because life is going to have storms. And too many believers give up when a storm, storm comes. Paul was saying, I've got a purpose. I'm going to speak to Caesar. It doesn't matter what's happening on this boat. I'm going to speak to Caesar. But God also told him that no one was going to die. So in your notes, storms can never change God's purpose. You can change God's purpose. 
There are believers that never know God's purpose. They never know God's purpose. They live their whole life never knowing what God's purpose was for their life. They just never knew that they could know. So they try to be good people. That's good. Try to be moral. That's fine. But you never had the fulfilling life that you could have had if you knew what God wanted you to do and you started living it out. Some people even know what God wants them to do, but they're so afraid. What if I mess up? What if I mess up? Being a wrestling coach, it's been an amazing thing. To There's so many things that I see in Scripture that relate over to that situation within church where you have kids that are great athletes, but they're so afraid of losing that they won't even try to win. In other words, they, they're so afraid that they're going to lose that you have the first tournament and the day before they quit. They're so afraid of losing. They're so afraid. So guaranteed loss. Guaranteed loss. You want to be a guaranteed loser, don't do anything. Guaranteed that you'll, that you'll accomplish nothing. I would rather try and lose than not do anything, right? Than not do anything. There's a guaranteed way to fail. It's just don't do anything. So God has a purpose for your life. The only thing that can hold that back, that purpose, is you. The only thing that can hold back my purpose is me. I can either start living out my purpose and doing the things that God's kind of shaped me to do, or I can know how I'm wired and not do anything. But it's up to you. It's up to you. God won't make you do it. But God will allow it to happen if you're willing to go for it. So he's got God's presence. So he's confident. He's got, he, he knows God's purpose for his life. So he's doing it, and he's confident in that. It's dangerous when you start focusing on the problems instead of the purpose. Because then once you start focusing on the problems, you'll start drifting. You start throwing out things in your life that you shouldn't. You start despairing. He got his eyes off the problems and onto the problem solver. He's just relying on God. You know, God's going to work this out. And that way he never lost his purpose. The third anchor that, he, that Paul had is the promises of God. The promises of God, they're an anchor in your life. They give you stability. Look at Acts 27, 25. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. He's telling them, don't give up. It's going to happen just as God said. I have faith in God. God's not going to let me down. Do you know how many times God promises things and it doesn't come through? Never. Never. If God promises you something, it's going to happen. Paul knows that. See, his confidence. God's promised me. There are scriptures that are promises to you. As you study scripture and you read them, when you see those scriptures, maybe you want to highlight them, like different promises. Maybe you take a yellow highlighter, and every time you're reading through scripture, I can't do that because I read the scriptures through my phone. Is that what, it's like, is everybody doing that now? Every morning I read the scriptures on my phone. I, and sometimes it's good to have that paper that you can highlight, and then you see all the markings on it that, that you had there. But now I've gotten so used to my phone that I can't always highlight it like that. But highlight it. Highlight those verses that you see that are promises to you. And they'll give you courage. There are hundreds and hundreds of promises in God's Word. Take advantage of them. Know what they are. Then when you're praying, you know how to pray. Pray according to His will. And his promises kind of let you know what his will is. Storms in your notes. Storms can never destroy a child of God. Storms can never destroy a child of God. 
I have faith that it's going to happen just as he told me. Some of you are going to go, go through devastating crises. Your problems are going to overwhelm you. That's what life does. You may lose the boat, the cargo, cargo the tackle. You know, in life, you might even lose your life. But for Christians, we're not devastated because we're spending eternity with God. It's not like, oh, I lost my life, it's over. We're spending eternity with God. There's no way for us to lose. You die, you get to be with God in heaven. How is that a loss? There, there, we can't lose. There's, there's no way. What do I do while I'm waiting for God to fulfill his promise? What do you do? Because sometimes you have dark days and you're going to feel discouraged. How are you going to hang on during those times? Do what Paul did. Look at Acts 27, 29 again. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern. Dropped those anchors, and it says, and they prayed for daylight. They prayed for daylight. What that says to me is, drop those anchors. I know God has a purpose behind this. I don't know what the purpose is. Sometimes you don't know the purpose of what's happening. You know, I know God's with me. I know God's promised to help me through anything I'm going through, these storms in life. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according, according to his purpose. That means the storms in life. Somehow, some way, God's going to use this for the good. I don't know how, but I'm trusting him. So you drop in those anchors so you can have confidence. You can have courage. But what did he do? And he prayed. He prayed. During those times that you're going through a storm, pray. Pray. Pray all the time. Maybe that's what's going to develop a daily time with God. A lot of people never get around to having that daily quiet time where every day you start your day praying and reading the Bible. You just never get around to doing it. Sometimes it takes a storm to get you there. You go through a tough time in your life, and now you're so desperate you're finally praying, and now God allows you to be in that storm long enough to build a habit. Then you eventually get through the storm, but now you have a habit of reading your Bible every day and praying. And some people, this happens, and I've talked to people. They didn't even realize it years later. I said, when did you start? Was, what was going on in your life? And it was a storm. It was a bad time that they just hated, that got them seeking God, praying, reading their Bible every day. And then when the storm was over, they kept doing it because it was now a part of their life. They, they thought, oh, I've been reading the Bible every day. I don't want to stop. And they've been reading through the Bible and praying like every day for years. But it started with a storm. That's why I say God is more interested in your character than your comfort. And if he can make you uncomfortable, but it changes your character for the good, yeah, he'll do that in a minute. And he does that because he loves you. And you know how much he loves you? As much as you love your kids. Because I'm more interested in my children's character than their comfort. And sometimes their character isn't what I want to see, and I make their life uncomfortable to get it to where it needs to be. Have you ever done that? I can remember sometimes a good hard swap my behind by my dad was all I needed to get my head in the right place. And then all of a sudden, my character changed. I realized I'm not going to do that anymore. He made my life uncomfortable. So you do that to people that you love. You make things uncomfortable so they don't continue doing the thing that they're doing. You do that with your kids when you love them. Look at Acts 27, 39. When daylight came, they didn't recognize the land but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. 
They end up doing that. They jump overboard, start swimming. In verse 44, it says, the rest were to get on planks in the water on pieces of the ship, the people that couldn't swim. And in this way, everyone reached the land of safety. Just as Paul had told them, not one person died. You're either in a storm right now, you're about to go into a storm, or you just came out of a storm. I hate to tell you that, but that's how life works. You're either in a storm right now, you're going to go into a storm, or you just came out of a storm. Because life goes like that. Things get good, and then things get rough, you know. Your marriage is doing great, and then you have some problems. You know, your job is going great, and then you have some problems. It's just life. We have these things. We live in a real world that has good things and tough things. But we all go through storms. We all get in these situations where it seems like the situation I'm in is impossible. And we want to give up, and we want to drift. Just give up our goals and just drift. Whatever happens, happens. And we lose faith. Sometimes we're tempted to just throw it all away. I'm just going to quit my job and leave. I'm just going to throw everything away. Sometimes that's the temptation we have. Sometimes we feel so much despair. I'm going to go bankrupt. There's no way I can get out of this. There's no way the marriage can be saved. And we just give up. We get hopeless. We're so sure that it can't get better that we stop trying. We just give up. God brought you here today to say, don't give up. Don't give up. That's why you're here today. You might say, no, I'm here for this reason. No, I'm here for that reason. No. God brought you here to tell you not to give up. That's why you're here. God doesn't want you to give up. Don't give up on that teenager. You know, hang in there. Don't give up on that job. Don't give up on those things. God wants to do great things in your life. Don't give up. The only reason why you should, you might leave a job because God is calling you somewhere else. You know, that type of thing. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with changes in life. Don't change your husband or wife or somebody else. But there, there's nothing wrong with changes in life, right? But don't get in despair and give up. The question is, am I a child of God? I'm not talking about religion, Catholic, Protestant, Jewish, Mormon. I'm not talking about religion, okay? I'm talking about, am I a child of God? Do I have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do I have a relationship with him? If he's your father, don't give up. If he's your father, he's with you. Do you know, God's not automatically your father. He's your creator. He's your creator. Scripture talks about you become a child of God. It's a choice. It's a choice. You know how adoptions work? Where the parents choose to adopt? If you look at your relationship with God, it's like that. But it's a little bit different. God is saying, I choose to adopt you into my family. But he allows you to say yes or no. He doesn't go through some government board, and you don't want to be adopted. Go through some government board, and you have no choice in the matter. You're just a kid. You don't know, and then they adopt you, and now here's your new daddy. He doesn't do it that way. He said, I want to adopt you as my sons and daughters. But he gives you the choice. You can choose yes, or you can say, no, thanks, God. But God wants, to, he wants you to be his child. He wants to bless you with everything he has for his children. In Hebrews 6.19, hope is the anchor of the soul. God wants to give you hope. Hope's the anchor of the soul. He wants to give you hope no matter what you're going through. Because we go through hopeless situations, and when things seem like it can't work out, God wants to show you that it can. And every time it builds your faith, every time you go through those situations, it builds your faith. Everybody goes through good times and bad times. 
It's how you handle the crisis. I'm asking you, don't go with the opinions, the expert opinions of others, if it contradicts the word of God. Don't go with the majority if it contradicts the word of God. Don't go with your circumstances if it contradicts the word of God because you're going to end up sailing right into a storm and never know it. And you're going to feel so confident because the experts, the majority, the circumstances, they were so good. How was I to know? If the word of God is telling you something different, you stick with the word of God. And as you stick with that word of God, and the storm comes, don't start drifting, don't start discarding, don't start despairing. Be like, be like Paul. Drop those anchors. God's with me. He's got a purpose behind this. I know he's with me. I know he has a purpose. He's going to get me through this. I'm going to believe in his promises. Drop your anchors and pray. And you can go through storms in your life, which you will, with confidence and courage and calmness that other people can't understand. How can they be calm at a time like this? I would be going bananas. How do they do that? Because they believe God's with them. God's working out for his purpose somehow. I believe in the promises of God. We don't escape problems, but it sure does help to have a problem solver living in your life. Maybe you're hearing you're saying, well, God doesn't live in me. If that's you... Invite them in. Invite them in. When you put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes in you. That's God to live in you. What's better than having God live in you? With that, let's pray. As I pray, maybe you're here today, and you know, like, God, I, I, I've never invited Jesus to live in my life. I've never invited God to live in me. Pray this prayer right now by faith. Just pray this silently. By faith, Lord, I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay off the penalty of my sins. So because of that, even though I might not fully understand this, but because of that, I'm forgiven. And I believe that you're going to come in me and change me from the inside out. I thank you for allowing me to be your child. And as we continue to pray, Lord, help us to feel your presence. Help us to know that you're with us no matter what happens. Help us to be strengthened by your presence. God, help us to know your purpose for our lives. Help us to believe that your purpose is greater than my problems, that I'm going to make it with your help. Lord, help me to know you in a deeper way. I pray that through the storms that we go through, it causes us to get closer to you. Lord, we want to have that intimacy with you. Lord, we thank you that in a chaotic life, you bring us peace. You bring us confidence. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.